You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Well, it's good to see you all here today. I have on a $500 suit. Does it look nice? Yes. No, I'm not overpaid. I got it on sale at Dillard's for 100 bucks. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thought I'd tell you that. God is good. Actually, $103. Is that good? Dillard's has good sales, y'all. Go over there. If there's one near here, I don't know. They're in Dallas. I'm blessed to be a part of this community of faith, this church family, for so many reasons. I think the thing I like about this church, most of all, is your love for the Word of God and for revelation. You, uh, I say controversial things sometimes. I say things that not everybody believes and agrees with, and they have a right to be wrong. <laughs> but I've, I've found that this church, and every, every congregation, every church has its own identity and its own personality. This church has always had the personality of love for the Word and the love for revelation of the Word. And I love being a part of this congregation. God bless you all so much. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1, we'll begin reading with verse 1. Hebrews 1, 1. Somebody very close and dear to the Apostle Paul who understood his doctrine wrote this book. It was not Paul. And the first word tells us for a fact that it was not Paul. There are a number of other, there's five other significant reasons why he did not write this letter. But uh, the, the first word tells us he didn't write it because every letter he wrote started with the word Paul. This one doesn't. This one starts with the word God. It's one of a number of reasons why we know that Paul did not write this letter. But what, what else we do know is that whoever did write it was influenced and trained by him, like I am. In the first century, you need to understand that precious few, if any, Christians ever read any of the Gospels that we have at our fingertips. All they knew was what the Apostle Paul taught them. Now, they had other teachers come through. There were others that came through. But Paul's doctrine was written down and spread throughout the known world in the churches. I think sometimes the church is so confused about doctrine and so confused about Paul's doctrine and Paul's revelation because they have too much. And preachers keep saying, I preach the whole counsel of God. You got it. The whole Bible is for you. Pardon me, it's just not. Now, this is one of the controversial things I say. But you can either believe it's controversial or you can believe it's the truth or stay confused, whatever you want to do. But I'm going to teach you where you can understand the Bible. Amen. And this, this passage is one of them that helps clear it up. Let's read it together. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past. He didn't say today or in the future. He said in the times 
passed unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Let me say, say something to you. What, what, the, what the revelation is here is that there's a difference in the way God spoke in the past and the way he speaks to us today. In the past, God spoke to us through prophets. In this day, God speaks... Now, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying He doesn't speak through prophets, but that's not His major emphasis. It used to be the only way He spoke to us, to mankind. But today, He speaks to us by Jesus. Oh. And the Apostle Paul never claimed that his, his gospel had, had come up from his own psyche. He always said, this is the gospel of Christ. So it was Jesus' doctrine, and Jesus was speaking through us through the Apostle Paul. So not just through prophets, but through apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is how Jesus speaks to His church. It used to be that God spoke to, the, spoke to them through armies. I, I can run through a troop, I can leap over a wall. Is that the one? That's all about an invading army coming. Yeah. Did you know that? For his stammering lips and other, other tongues will he speak to this people. Paul makes that a revelation of being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. But in its context, listen to me, in its context in the Old Testament, it was about an invading army with a, with a, with a strange tongue coming in and, and, and subduing Jerusalem. Yeah. In its context. Yeah. I love the fact that Paul had the authority through the name of Jesus, just to pull stuff out of context. Hallelujah. Hey, this is New Testament doctrine. This is what he's really saying. Really? I didn't see it that way when I read the Old Testament because you can't see it that way in the Old Testament because the revelation is not there. Amen. You only know the Old Testament because you understand what Paul teaches you. Yes. I've got three of you that agree with me. <laughs> You're all going to agree with me. You may, it may be, you may be in heaven, but you're going to agree with me one day. God once spoke through circumstances, invading armies, earthquakes, and plagues. But not today. Tell two people, not today. God does not speak to you through tragedy and calamity. I didn't say He wouldn't speak to you in a calamity or in a tragedy, but that's not how He speaks to people. Guy had a car wreck. Said, oh, God, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell you, drive better, idiot. Take some driving lessons, that's all. <laughs> and it's interesting to say here, verse 2, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. Now we may not know when the last days began, but we do know one thing for sure. We are in them now. If they were in them 2,000 years ago, we are in them now. There's no getting around this when you read the New Testament. There's no getting around the fact that you are in the, the last days. Now let me challenge you just a little bit. May I? Are the front legs on a dog toward the last of the dog? No, the front legs are toward the front of the dog. They're not toward the end of the dog. The back legs are closer to the end of the dog. 
But the back legs are not the end of the dog. He's still got a tail, doesn't he? Yep. His tail extends sometimes as long as his body. Dogs can have long tails. Except my daddy's dogs, he always chopped their tails off. So why do you do that? God put the tail on the dog for a reason. Ouch. Hello, Greg. Craig, she said. That's cute. So there's been 6,000 years of human history. Follow me. 4,000 were before Christ. 2,000 have been since. And Peter said at Pentecost, that first great Pentecost that we celebrated as Christians, he said, it shall come to pass, he quoted Joel 2.28, this is, this is Acts 2.17, I think, 17 or 18. Uh, he says, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So we know, we're not sure when the last days began, but we know that they, were, they had to be at Pentecost. Huh? And we're 2,000 years into the last days. So the last days had to be somewhere past the middle of the dog. You getting the picture? I'm trying to give you an image here. 2,000 years is the front part of the dog was 4,000 years, and we've already gone through. We're, we're somewhere out on the tail by now. You got it? You got the head. You're somewhere out there on that tail. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sense out of all this. If these are the last days, and it's only been 6,000 years. Folks, we are in the last of the last days. Amen. There's no other way around it or the Bible isn't true. I happen to know it's true. I've, I've used all of its principles all through my life and I found them to be true. Amen. Seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping and all that. I've used the principles of the Word of God. Found them to be true. And the Bible is true. The Bible is right. It always has been. It always will be. Glory to God. But you've got to know what part applies to you. Leviticus don't. I know it's poor grammar. But it's, it, it works well in Oklahoma, doesn't it? Leviticus doesn't. It never was written to, Jew, to Gentiles. It was always written to Jews. We may not know when the last days began, but we do know for sure that we are right now in them. And the word last there is the word eschatos. Eschatos. Does that sound like eschatology to you, the study of the last things? Eschatos. It doesn't have a lot of meanings. Let me give you what the meanings are. The farthest, the final, the ends, last, latter end, lowest, uttermost. That's what eschatos means. It means the end. So he's saying we're in the last days. Days is plural, so we know there could be a few more. But last means last. Last means the end. Now, I've got some great news for you. Unlike what you've heard in the past, anytime a preacher stood in front of you and started talking about the last days, everybody went, oh God, oh God, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, oh God. Oh, I just hate this, it's, it's scary stuff. Why would, you, why would you let some idiot preacher make you afraid of the end times? 
you are on the winning side when you're in Christ. You're not going to be here. You go out in victory. That's what the Bible teaches us, if you understand Paul's doctrine. Now, if you chase all over the book and you, you buy some idiot's book who wrote all about the end time because he's an expert, but his, his, his blood brother right down the street from him wrote another book and he's exactly opposite him. You read all these bozos that think they know what down in the Revelation means and they're always Gentiles and t telling us what God meant when he's speaking to the Jews. What are you, some kind of genius? No, they're not geniuses. They're booksellers. Profiteers. <laughs> That's what they are. And we buy their books and say, oh, I now believe like this guy. Oh, yeah, okay. Go ahead. I'm going to believe like Paul. Amen. And Paul never says us anything about that. He does say something about it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I won't turn there. But you can read it for yourself. He said, that man of sin is not going to be revealed until that one that is resisting now uh, is taken out of the way. There's only one factor in the world, in the earth, that is resisting the revelation uh, of the evil, uh, the evil one. There's just one factor. I sat across the, across the desk one time, across the table one time, from a young man who didn't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church at all. And he said, I believe in what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. He said, but that's talking about the Holy Spirit. I said, so God who promised never to leave me nor forsake me, is going to take the Holy Spirit from me and leave me here? He dropped his mouth on me and said, I said, you just made God the worst covenant breaker in all of history. Yeah. That's what you just did. He said, oh my God, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that. Well, but you, that's what you did. That's what your belief says. So now who's, who's going to be taken out of the way? He said, the church. I said, yeah. Yes. Now you know the truth. It has to be the church. It's certainly not the school system. <laughs> it's certainly not Washington. Yeah. It's not the banking industry. None of that's resisting the devil. Huh? The religious systems of this world, they're not resisting the devil. They're in bed with the devil. It's the church. It's resisting the evil. And nothing's going to happen as long as you're here. Nothing of the end time events is going to happen as long as you're here. So you can relax. Rest in Christ. Amen. I spent too many years afraid. And nothing ever happened. Now I look around the world. And it's, it does look like it's kind of getting worse. How many of you think it's kind of getting worse? That's just, that's just you're getting out on the tail of the dog. That end of the dog stinks. I mean, I'm just telling you that. <laughs> I'm sorry, he does. <laughs> Verse 3. I didn't mean to say that, it just came out. <laughs> Who being the brightness of his glory, this is talking about Jesus, not the brightness of his judgment. The brightness of His glory. Whatever, their, whatever glory there was before Christ, it pales in comparison to Him. There's nobody like Jesus except you. Woo. You thought you were a scummy old sinner that, that didn't deserve the grace of God. That's, what, that's because that's what religion taught you. 
You're a scummy old sinner that God shouldn't even let into heaven, but he's going to for some reason. We don't even know why, but I know why. Because he made me in his image. And Adam sold me out to the devil. You say, I'm not worthy. Yes, you are. What are you saying about the sacrifice of Christ? That it was for nothing? Sacrifice of Christ said you are worthy. Yes. Worthy to be saved. Worthy to be loved. Worthy to know that you're in the family of God. Listen to these things he says. Talking about the way the kingdom of God sees its own citizens as opposed to the way the world sees its citizens. The world sees its citizens as fodder for its grinding mill. The kingdom of God sees its citizens as its reason for existence. And the express image of His person. This means that if you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. Miss Ann, you've heard Miss Ann say this before. The reason we know it is God's will for everybody to be filled with the Spirit is because Jesus was filled with the Spirit. The reason we know why it's, every, it's always God's will to heal is because Jesus never made anybody sick and healed everybody that came to Him. That's what we know. We can't just make up our version of God like, like most people do. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And you got to, before you can believe, before you can put it into your theological pipe and smoke it, you have to believe, you have to believe that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself so that Jesus was representing God the Father all the time in everything He did. And if God somehow goes about making people sick today, we have to see Jesus making somebody sick then to believe that, to, to have that in our theology. Doesn't even make any sense. But most of the world is, is eaten up with this kind of unbelief. They just embrace sickness as though, well, God's teaching me something. Oh. Where do you find Jesus ever doing that? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the express image of God's person, it says here. And upholding all things by the word of His power. That, that, that Greek text actually says, by the word, comma, His power. By the word, comma, His power. Ah, oh, the word is His power. Would you put up on the screen Romans 1, 16 and 17? Especially verse 16, Romans 1, 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Did it say the gospel would bring the power? No. It says the gospel is the power of God. That means the Word of God is the power. And God upholds all things. That means everything He ever promised you, everything He ever went about to do in the earth, He upholds it by the Word that is the gospel. Amen. The reason more people aren't experiencing what's good in God is that they never really heard the gospel. They heard be right, do right, live right, repent. They heard all that. But they never heard that God loves you and the grace of God is upon you. And you can walk by faith, praise God, and believe that you have what you say you have. We watched a video Friday night. We had a big fundraiser at CF and I. And an ex, uh, I think it was Marine Corps. Yeah, it was Marine Corps. 
tatted up, tough dude, big muscles. One of our students, at CFNI, what is his name? Omar. Omar is his first name. Omar got shot down in Afghanistan, uh, Baghdad, over Baghdad. His helicopter got shot down. He got hit, says all flash of smoke, flash of light. And he said, and as I'm trying to brace myself, we get hit again and crash land. And he said, I got thrown out of the, cop, out of the helicopter. Broke both my feet. When I woke up, he said, I woke up in a hospital in Germany. Eight days later, he said, both my feet were broken. My, both my hips were broken. He said, had, uh, it had his arm was broken, shoulder out of sight. It just messed up terrible. He was in a he was in a coma for for weeks. But he began to get well. He began to repent and cry out to God. And he claimed he said I was a Christian, but I don't know if I was saved. That's what those were kind of his words. I said, what? What? Anybody know what he's talking about? Yes, kind of been there, kind of been a Christian, but not really know you're saved. Got big tears running down his face. He said, long story short, I wound up at Christ for the nations. And in front of God and everybody, they put this on video. He said, and I wound up in Pastor Eric Holler's class on homiletics, which is a preaching course. He said, and every day we went in there, he kept saying, talking about the gospel and the gospel of the grace of God. He said, I realized I had never heard anybody talk about grace the way he did. And he just talked about God's love and his grace for me. He said, every day I'd go in and I'd just weep. I said, he'd say, I've never heard this. And one day he said, I was so, so broken over it. He said, I went and got, found a, a, an alone place and began to weep and cry out. He said, Jesus, if this is really the gospel, if this is the real gospel, I've got to believe this. And he said, and for the first time, I really knew Jesus. I really knew God. He came into my life and everything changed. It changed when I believed in His grace and stopped trusting in me to save me and started trusting in Him to save me. With big tears running down His face. He kind of shook our, our, our banquet up a little bit. They were all weeping and crying. But many of those people don't even understand it either. Many of them. Not all, but many. But they, they, they got it that night. It is the grace of God that saves you. Always has been that way. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And let's go back to our text. When he had by himself purged our sins. When were your sins purged? When were your sins purged from the record? After you committed them or before you committed them? If Jesus died for them and purged our sins, it had to be before you ever committed any sins. <laughs> Wait a minute, holler, I gotta calculate. That don't add up. <laughs> that, that don't work. I, you can't forgive it before you do it. Apparently, the blood finished it all. Amen. That means there was nothing left for you to do. Your only part and this covenant is to believe it. You can't receive this benefit until you be believe this benefit. 
He came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those, even those who believe on his name. The believing is the receiving. The receiving is in the believing. But it's already accomplished. That's the good thing about it. You know, I was going to conduct a church service here. Miss Ann and I was going to conduct a church service here today, whether you came or not. I mean, it was going to be provided whether you took advantage of it or not. Some of you women are, are, are cooking roast right now at home. You got food cooking in the oven right now. Bacon in the, you, got, you got it on the stove or something, something's going on at your place right now. Maybe you're hoping to be taken out to dinner, but... Uh, <laughs> Some of, you, some of you have prepared food for your family. Now, you know some of them are going to come and some of them are not going to come. But even those who believe on your name <laughs> are going to get the blessing. And others had it provided for them before they needed it. Yeah. Are you listening to me? The efficacy is that we say in Bible college, the efficacy of the blood is unrelenting, unrepenting, and uh, complete in all details. The blood is powerful enough to take away every sin that anybody would ever commit. Then look at this. Then it says, He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What, what, the, what that means right there is it's a powerful note, note in the gospel. When Christ sat down the right hand of the majesty on high, that means there's nothing left to do. That means that Paul opens every letter saying, Peace from God our Father. Irene, meaning an end to the rage and havoc of war. A state of national tranquility. The war between heaven and earth is over. Yeah. Glory to God. I've come to announce that heaven loves you. God is at peace with you. Amen. Yeah. He's not angry with you at all. He wants you in His family. But today He's inviting everybody in. Praise God. But religion has built a wall The wall that Frank saw today is the wall of religion. It gives us the secular and the sacred. And today, this message today, is the day to help you tear down. Mr. Gorbachev! <laughs> tear down that wall. Glory to God. Amen. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There's an interesting uh, set of scriptures in, uh, in, in the book of Numbers. I was telling a young guy one time how to get, to ch get his church to grow, like I knew. <laughs> like I knew. And he said, well, I don't think God's all that into Numbers. I said, he has a book called Numbers, shut up. <laughs> I read the book of Numbers, chapter 23. And Balaam is trying to curse Israel. And he can't get it out. He's paid to curse Israel, and he can't get it out. He's working hard. He tries two or three times. He keeps running at it. You know good, wonderful people. You're blessed of the Lord and highly favored, and everything your hand touches prosper. He, he, he tried to say bad things, but it just wouldn't come out. 
God had commandeered his mouth for the sake of Israel. Now let me remind you, Israel had not been all that spiritually dainty. <laughs> they had not been all that nice. Just a few chapters before, it, the prophecy that came out of Balaam's mouth when God commandeered his mouth was this. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. Wow. I flipped the pages back, just three or four pages. There he is, blasting them for the, for the, with, with quail and blasting them with, with all kinds of plagues and terrible things happening, and judging them, beating them up. So what, what do you mean? Why, why are you making Balaam say he hadn't seen any, any perverseness or iniquity in Jacob and Israel? Because the way God talks to his covenant people is one thing, but he don't want some sinner. Yeah. <laughs> some un, some it's like my brother and I would fight, on the, fight, fight, fight at home. But if he ever saw me in trouble on the playground, woo, somebody's going to get in trouble. Somebody's going to get beat up bad. Don't mess with Tony and Holly's little brother. And they all knew it. They were all afraid of me because they were afraid of my brother. Then <laughs> when I got home, he slapped me around, you know. <laughs> Why didn't you stand up? Bam, 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 bam. Why didn't you say that to him? Bam, 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 bam. Sorry. Not as big as you are. How you... Talk to a family member and how you let somebody else talk about them is different, two different things. Amen. Come on, you know I'm right. God might talk kind of rough to you sometimes. Try to get you straightened up. He's not going to let the devil get away with that. He's not going to let the devil, not going to let the preachers get away with that. I was, uh, in this passage one time, though, Numbers 23, I was reading along there, and it says, he shall couch as a lion upon, as he dominates his prey. Israel's going to be like a lion. He parallels them to being lions. Not cheetahs. Not hyenas. These are all great hunters. Like lions. I was watching Marlon Perkins' Wild Kingdom one time. I've told you all this story, but it's been a couple of years. I was watching Marlon Perkins' Wild Kingdom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Remember Saturdays? Saturday afternoon? I loved it. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Marlon Perkins, little dried-up scientist, had this big old muscled-up guy named Jim with him. You remember Jim? Wasn't that his name, Jim? He was making Jim do all the dirty work. Jim had to wrestle the alligator, the crocodile, you know. <laughs> Watch as Jim takes on the most dangerous uh, animal on the continent of Africa, the Cape Buffalo. Get him, Jim. Jim dives off on the guy on the <laughs> thing's tail and dragging him across the bush. And Marlon's got the camera go rolling. Watch as the Cape Buffalo tears Jim limb from limb. <laughs> got the little camera rolling. One day... They're out there in the southwest African desert. They come upon these, these men, bushmen they were called at the time. African men who were some kind of specimens of physical humanity, I'm telling you. Raw bone and muscle. These guys made marathon runners look like pansies. Me and we run 26.2 miles, didn't it? 26.2, we call it a marathon. These guys had to do that for breakfast. 
They ran with spears. Run like that. And ran all day, all the time. Until they were ready to kill something. But they also had another way of getting food. They didn't have to kill everything they, they ate. They had an ingenious way of taking food away from wild animals. They'd pick up brush. And they watched this hyena pack bring down an animal. And they, walk, and they got all these twigs and things and brush. And we went, went, went walking toward the hyenas, making this god-awful noise. Yeah, 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 like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Banging the, uh, th thrashing around on the, on the ground with this brush and kicking up dust. And just walked right straight toward the hyenas. So the hyenas, we look at them and go, ah. And spooked around a little bit and rah, 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 you did all that yapping. Finally, they just ran away. And the, the Africans took their, 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 their deer, put it on a pole between them, and went home to mama. <laughs> a few days later, they're out there again. They watch a cheetah. They clocked this cheetah at 70 miles an hour, something like that. They're fast. She brings down the deer. They wait a few minutes. The guys go over there. They do the same thing with the cheetah and drive her away. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she lunges at them a couple of times. Marlon Perkins said, if they even blink, if they flinch at all, that cheetah will be on them and tear them, tear them, tear them apart. But these guys were, had nerves of steel. They just kept coming. Kept coming. Ran a poor cheetah off. And they took her food from her and went home and ate it themselves. Day three. They're out there. They're running along there. They stop mid-stride. There's a pride of lions. And they're obviously eating something. They're about a quarter of a mile away from them or more. They stop. And they turn and run about a half a mile this direction. <laughs> They run about a mile that way, and they get back on course, leaving the, leaving the lions a half a mile or so behind them. Marlon Perkins says, the moral of the story here is, lions don't bluff. Amen. 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 I found that God's people, who are the lions in the, in the, in the human world, have been bluffed out of what belongs to them too long. Today is a day where you get what belongs to you. You got it from the prophet. You get what belongs to you, praise God. The kingdom is yours. You have a right to live above these things. You have a right to have the promises come to pass in your life. Amen. Lions don't bluff. Tell two people, I'm a lion and I don't bluff. Verse 4. I'm not going to keep you very long today. I'll finish this message in a series. Is that all right? Amen. Verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels. Back to Jesus. Being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus brought the status of man above that of angels. Hear me. The Father didn't make Jesus, did not create Jesus. He was always God. As a man, he was made better than the angels. Why would he do that? Just to prove something? No. Everything Jesus did as a man, he did for you. He had you in mind, and he did what he did so that you could be patterned after him. Which means that your status is now above that of angels. That's why Jesus did what he did. He did all that he did as a man for you. Praise God. 
The gospel is not that Christ died, Christ was buried, and Christ rose. You left off the gospel if you said it like that. All that is is the history. As Pastor Curtis says, that's just the history. There's no mystery in that at all. The mystery is Christ died for our sins. He did all that He did for you. And God exalted Him and gave Him a name <coughs> better than the name of angels. Means that Jesus brought the status of man, all of mankind above that of angels. You're going to see this in, later in the chapter. We may have to wait a week or so to hear it. But Verse 5, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. Amen. Angels aren't supposed to worship anybody but God, but here they are worshiping Jesus. All right. The word first begotten proves he was talking about his role as the last Adam. When he's, when he's called the first begotten, he's saying there's going to be others. Anytime you read the word first begotten of the Father, first begotten from the dead, that's talking about you. Because he wouldn't say that unless it's an indication. My, no woman says this is my firstborn if it's their only child. This is my only child. Not my firstborn. Because if you say this is my firstborn, they're going to say, where are the rest of them? Firstborn indicates more. So when it says Jesus is the firstborn, it's saying you're part of this family too, praise God. Yes. What that means is, all right, here's one of those controversial things. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Please don't throw anything. We'll talk about it later. Please talk to me before you leave the church over this. Nobody's leaving the church? So I can't say it? I'm running a risk here. What it means to be a child of God means to be you're in the God class. Your children are not in some other species. I know they act like it, but they're not. Your children, God would not call us His children if He did not expect us to act like we're in the God class. Does that make any sense to you? Everything births after its own kind, don't they? Do they or do they not? Was Jesus really God in the flesh? What does that make you? doesn't make you a God to be worshipped, but it does put you in that family. Amen. That species, if you will. Dogs don't give birth to cats. Amen. What'd she say? That's right, praise God. She may not like me, but she likes my preaching. All that he did, he did for us. Verse 7. And of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits, his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. Let's recognize that angels have authority and power. They do have authority and power. But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom, the first begotten Son. So we are now in God's family and not in the family of angels. That means we have been elevated above angels. We're not taught this. We don't really believe this. Most Christians don't believe that at all. They see angels as these highly exalted beings. Oh, oh, and they fall down and worship them. Men of all, many ever get a glimpse of angels, they always fall down and worship them. They're not supposed to. Angels are your servants. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said the Bible's teaching us here that you're in a different class from angels even above them. Because you're in the divine family. Partaker of the divine nature. 
This is why you cannot change or control another person with faith. Oh, this is why it doesn't work for you to try to control and, and change other people with your faith. Because they're in, a, they're in the same class you are. But you can control the demons that are tormenting them Amen. and controlling them. You can come against the evil spirits that are working against your family and friends. You can't make them change. All you can do is fight the spirits that are controlling their lives. And if they want to change, then they can make a decision. I'm not saying they will make a decision. I'm saying they still are free moral agents, just like God is, and can make any decision they want to make. But if they're being hindered by demons, you have authority over devils. Ooh, if you have authority over devils, you have authority over angels. Oh, that's good right there. That's good right there. Am I helping you today? Now you're understanding what the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God is like. Two different things. The big wall between them and religions built the wall. Verse 9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Well, I'm going to stop right there. Can we just pick up with part two next week? Yes. It's already 12 o'clock. I'm sorry to keep you so long. It's all Miss Ann's fault. She put the baptism before me. <laughs> Got to beat the Baptist to the restaurants. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Did you get anything out of that today? We're going to finish it up as we go. You come back and I promise I'll be here to help you. I'll do my part. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the revelation of the Word of God. Thank you for Jesus who made us more than we ever thought we could be. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation of the Word that makes us know Jesus in this depth and in this greatness. Thank you, Lord, for, for changing our status, taking us from the status of the lost to the status of the found sons of God, sons and daughters of God. I thank you today, Lord, for those that are gathered here with us who are yet to come to Christ, the saving knowledge of Jesus. Let this message of the gospel of the grace of God, how Christ died for our sins and he was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Let that, that simple message penetrate every heart here, especially those that are lost today. Help them to be found. Help them to scale the wall from the world to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. I ask you to bless this time today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.